This episode is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people, from athletes, authors, and scientists to mobsters, spies, and hostage negotiators, all with the noble cause to make you a more informed, critical thinker to operate better in today's world. Jordan's also got a fun weekly segment, Feedback Friday, where he covers advice on everything from escaping a cult or psycho family situations to relationships and networking to even just asking for a raise. Point blank, Jordan Harbinger is smart, funny, and easy to listen to. You'll be pressed to find an episode without excellent conversation, a few laughs, and actionable advice that can directly improve your life. You can't go wrong with adding The Jordan Harbinger Show to your rotation. It's incredibly interesting. There's never a dull show. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Dum Dums and Dragons, where improvisers who've never role-played before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. I am the Grand Wizard Bukake, your host. The feast has been completed and our characters are on their way. Quinny tanked his performance of tequila, Butthole gave a touching speech and his second performance of tequila was much stronger, and Juniper let Grandpa Warwick take the stage and he got confused, along with the crowd. Having distracted their friends enough to get away, will our heroes survive their suicide mission? Find out next on Dom Doms and Dragons. The Dum Dums are back on the road, having had a brief respite um, over the past few weeks at uh, the Fortress of Forlorn Hope, and of course the Feast of Saint Mudbutt um, that you've just left. Um, you all had a chance to uh, recharge, relax to some extent, uh, but more importantly, to plan and to re-equip. Um, the battle with the fries was was harrowing, just at least moving all of um, Cornucopia slash Quintown uh, to the fortress was not an insignificant task. Some of you found out you had family members, you know, <laughs> lots of wacky stuff has occurred. Um, but uh, with the information that um, Doc Huckleberry managed to find as he was uh, tracking all of you that he passed along to Reginald, the Reginald passed along to all of you, um, you found a way into a car. Uh, through an, an old mine system that Butthole you were unfamiliar with, but that Reginald uh, vaguely remembers from from his time as being a dead site, um, a site that was was strip mined to you know absolutely nothing and then stoppered up because it was a clear hazard. Um, but in your time, uh, things have gone differently, and from the sounds of things, the mine is is very much not in the state that uh, he was. He expected to hear about it um, from the uh, the survivors who had made their camp there. So uh, having successfully pulled off the ruse that you're at a party all night uh, with with fun karaoke times, um, you're now making your way uh, towards that that site. You have um, uh, it's it's a few days of travel uh, ahead of you. Um, I'm not going to make you roll for like what happens in the night. Do zombies approach? <laughs> because I think at this point, if you're a small group. And you've all uh, had to travel around outside of the walls of the fortress enough that I don't think this would pose too much of a problem uh, for our level 14 adventurers, not specifically going into zombie infested places and going, hey, zombies, it me, come get me. Um, so you have, um, we're going to say with with some magical assistance here and there, uh, it's going to take about three days of travel hmm. to find your way um, to uh, to this site. 
Um, when I say uh, magical travel, um, amongst the potions that you found um, in the uh, the necromancer's uh, workshop, um, are some some potions of of uh, almost like uh, what Bucky has has dubbed blurred speed um, that basically give you, for lack of better term. Edward Cullen speed or true blood vampire speed where you get to do that like <laughs> thing where, you know, low budget TV can get away with making you seem fast. So you're not at, like keep up super with ma- us now, Ginny. <laughs> Harsh but fair. Harsh but fair words from Laura. Um, so it uh, it lets you move very, very swiftly. Um, not you're not like the flash or Quicksilver where everything has slowed to an absurd rate for you, just that you're able to cover a, a hell of a lot more distance yeah. uh, during the day. Um, and Juniper, I think uh, in, in your case, this literally means like you hitch the uh, the battle chair to two, probably Butthole and Reginald. They drink the potions and then they fucking run and oh, okay. basically chariot them um, with, I imagine like using your arm strength to kind of like crank the, uh, the wheel as well to make sure that you're... Mm. You're going, um, but just making sure that, you know, all, all of your speeds are, are roughly equivalent, given that you have to deal with all terrain in Aww. a way that uh, other and folks don't. And they get an aura of warding and an aura of courage and there an aura go. of protection the entire time. Oh, some good auras. Uh, honestly, Reginald might never stop. He might yeah. just hang around you He literally can't now. be frightened while I'm conscious. Oh <laughs> while God, he's near me. Like his, Does he just cease to be like that? His core personality. <laughs> yeah. Held together with duct tape and fear. I don't know how he's gonna. I think it is that he can't have the condition of frightened, not Mm. necessarily. Well, here's the thing: intrinsic internal fears. (laughs) He's not aware that he won't be afraid of things that come at him. He fully expects to be terrified. It doesn't solve his anxiety disorder. It's not called cure for mental health aura. Like he's still who is who he is. Yeah, great. So. uh, together, all of you um, sort of make uh, make good time because obviously, like Aka isn't next door, um, but with with the the sort of fleet, the swiftness that you've managed from the these potions and the the distance you got, also the fact that you're able to kind of cut through a bit of um, the Icewind Dale Mountain ranges um, just gets you a little bit closer. You know, being in a fortress up a mountain in the middle of a mountain range means you can kind of cut across the mountains in a way that no one in their right mind would. Mm. Um, but if you're already up there, why the fuck not? Um, so you're making very good time, but I, I really cannot stress enough uh, that a car is not next door. It's not a three day track, <laughs> like three no, day magic, walk. There's teleporting. We hear you. Don't worry. Yeah. 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 Um, so you're covering a fairly vast amount of space, which means that conversation while, while going at hyperspeed is not that possible. But again, you're, you're traveling a vast distance and the catch with these potions is they they similar to chugging Red Bull. Like you feel great when you're doing um, either the running or when you know your arms are burning from from spinning the wheels on the chair. Yeah. Like you feel fantastic during that time, but the minute this shit runs out, it's like lights out. You just fall over mm. um, and need to rest as quickly as possible. Um, so the mornings are always a little bit of the the groggy day after um, an overly intense, like, you know, like moving or something like that, where you're just like you've overextended <laughs> your body in a way you normally don't. Um, you know, coffee is made uh, over the fire. Um, Doc Huckleberry is fucking good at coffee because it's like a cowboy cosplay thing he can do. So he makes sure there's always like a little tin pot coffee thing uh, situation going on every morning. 
Um, and, you know, you have breakfast and it really does take some time to shake the cobwebs off before you can you can go again. So I know, Laura, you'd mentioned that Juniper would want to talk to Butthole about um, uh, the... <laughs> the problem of the horde. <laughs> skewed political views of, of Reginald. Um, yeah. And yes, what? how do you solve a problem like Horde Rhea? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I know you want to have that chat, but you're also welcome to have any other chats you would like of that sort. And it's not like you all have to be standing around each other at all times like juniper if you wanted to like speak privately with butthole you could do that because it's it's like camping with friends right every morning everyone's got their little routine reginald is presumably taking down his like paranoid murder tent you know everyone's yeah. everyone's got their thing to also do. yeah juniper doesn't need to have this conversation in the presence of reginald who's figured, just gonna yes. like interject with stuff like yeah. she's got his information it's fine well, reginald look, but then what's looks- the player who plays reginald gonna do laura <laughs> if he can't have an active conversation with the player who plays butthole <laughs> yeah. i want to leave someone out why would you separate brothers um I mean, like, <laughs> uh, reginald stays in what looks like a really tiny shitty tent um <laughs> it's actually the glamping tent that he got from not peter baelish so he has like a lavish fucking mansion <laughs> that he is sharing with no one it is just his tent uh and he he keeps complaining about how he has to share the tiny space with doc huckleberry um <laughs> yeah no wonder doc the, huckleberry is able to make coffee there's like bags of coffee in the glamping tent yeah it always it's seems like doc, Huck- machine doc huckleberry is like tent. finding things but it's really just that they're all in reginald's fucking tent because he also in, stocked it for the journey he yeah. fills the tin pot with an espresso and then just takes it out and puts it on the fire and it's like it'll take a minute to heat up <laughs> yeah, you can't tell anybody until a minute's passed uh no. one crunchy question that i have tom that i want to ask now before it seems like we're cheating later uh, we have an upgraded potion room in the Fortress of Forlorn Hope that we could use to take potions with us. I was wondering if we had any healing potions or anything we would have stocked for this journey. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry. We should have done that before we left. Um, yeah. I just thought of it now, so don't worry about cool. it. Cool. Um, so you're traveling purposefully light uh, in order to make these these potions kind of run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you had to bring, um, each of you had to bring like three of these, uh, these sort of um, speed potions with you. So I think we can safely say that each of you can choose one um one improved potion uh to to bring bring along for the ride. All right, us of immediately right this moment definitely didn't take a break to figure out what our potions were because we all already knew. Uh what <laughs> potions have you all already chosen, obviously, from your vast knowledge of potions in D D? Uh Quinny, um, I believe it was Quinny got the potion of soft step four of them one for each person so he right. would distribute those as well at some oh, point nice. probably when when helmets were being handed out he would also give out these potions i forgot to mention so we that. all flash back to those potions being handed and out. i'm giving yeah. it to you for no stress you also wow, all thanks, have, have your, your traditional five stress we haven't used stress in a Ooh, really long you. time because you all just plan ahead these days but <laughs> stress. do i get five stress per character tom <laughs> Oh my god! Um, sure you do, but you're only going to be playing butthole, so go ah, fuck yourself. Nuts. <laughs> it's like it's the answer. Uh, hey, Goblin Jr. gets five stress too. It's great. Wow, fifteen stress. Well, I mean, you'll use those for him. So yeah, keep track of that. <laughs> you uh, play Goblin Jr. Flashing back to Burt Reynolds scenes. It's going to be the whole thing. <laughs> god. For the potion that I definitely always knew I had brought with me mm-hmm. um, and didn't take a break to look up, uh, I'm going to get a potion of superior healing. Cool. Just an insurance policy for me. Smart. 
If the healers goes down, I can administer it to him. If someone else is just not near butthole, if we get split up, I can administer to them as needed. Just a little insurance policy. Reginald's got an ouchie and he won't shut up about it. You can administer it to him. <laughs> well, no, I'll probably put the the quiet potion on him if he's whining about it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, harsh but fair seems to be the uh, the tone of the day. All cool. Right. Uh, how about the rest of you? Butthole also took a superior healing potion. He usually likes to have a potion on him. So if he gets downed and is still needed in a fight, somebody else can bring him back. So it's one of those. It's like an EpiPen. Everybody in his party knows where he keeps the potion on him and it's yeah. somewhere accessible. Uh, I kind of like to imagine that if they can't pour it down your mouth, they just like break it on you like they're christening a ship. Like, <laughs> That's way emergency. nicer than pouring it into his buttholes. I thought you were going to say. So, you know, we're all having a journey. But chugging a health potion. It's more potent that way. Yeah, it's. it's you get, you get plus two D4s you get healed faster. in your butt. That's what yeah, I hear. Gygax was very explicit about that <laughs> yeah. in the first edition. They changed it for advance, but you know, we, know, we know the truth. I put the, pot- I, I put the potion in my butt. Give me your character sheet. And then he hands it back and you have full health. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's the original Tomb of Horrors. Actually. Adds a little note. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. That's all it says. Uh Reginald, however, has taken a potion of invulnerability, so he will have resistance to all damage for one minute when he drinks it. Yeah, that sounds appropriate. Yep, yeah. very self-focused. <laughs> all right, and uh, Sheriff Juniper. Uh, Sheriff Juniper uh, is taking a potion of frost giant strength, mm. which will increase her strength uh, to a score of 23 or plus six for an hour. Um, That's awesome. And she will also take the opportunity to remind everyone that they should stay within 10 feet of her when possible. <laughs> because she has an aura of protection, which means... I'll, I'll do what I can, but yeah. I'm generally forward scout in these scenarios. I get it. I'm just yeah. saying, when you're within 10 feet of her, you have an aura of protection, an aura of warding, and an aura of courage. They're all good things. <laughs> if we made the Sounds potion good. at home... It could be a potion of the strength of the fantastic Frondu. Oh, yeah, I like that. I love that. Okay. <laughs> Call it Mountain Frondu. Really likes that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mountain Frondu. You gotta do the do. Oh, uh, do the do. That's what you have to say when you drink it or it doesn't activate. <laughs> you have to say do Where's the do. St- potion of strength of what? Uh, strength of Frondu. Yeah. Strength of Frondu. I love that. Fantastical frondu. That's beautiful. That's gonna, yeah. That's yeah, definitely. In my head, it is just a Mountain Dew bottle. So it's got like, but it's it's a Mountain Dew bottle from when they have a tie-in to a video game or a movie. <laughs> so instead of like the Rock as Black Adam or like Master Chief, it's just like the Fantastical frondu. Yeah, just in all of his glory, like holding up his hands. Yeah, you the, a ma- the Mountain Dew's white. It just says like Mountain Dew Ice. <laughs> yeah. You get more. You get more experience points. It's just. It's just carbonated water. Shh. Mountain Dew ice with enough caffeine to kill Laura. Anyways, <laughs> Mountain don't. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Shopify. When we started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from our collective mind. But now we sell t-shirts and hoodies and water bottles and a ton of amazing products, all because we use Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It is 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Honestly, we tried to do merchandise for years, either to make things that were high quality, to make things that we could ship easily, to make things shippable in multiple markets. We just could not find that answer until we found Shopify. Once we got set up with them, it has been a breeze. Money transfers, no problem. Payments converted, it makes it so easy. I don't have to do anything manual. None of our team does to be able to provide high, high quality merch. Shopify gave us the control to be able to make our business even more successful and it can do that for you because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify, and yours should too. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dumdums all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dumdums, D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B-S, now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dumdums. That's the way you get to hear this. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Shopify. When we started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from our collective minds. But now we are selling some sick mugs. And it is so easy. All because we use Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. It'll help you turn browsers into buyers because it has the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, which means curious people are more likely to buy from you. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. One of the big problems Shopify solved for us was international shipping. Our shipping prices, if people were outside of the U.S., were through the roof. But the moment we switched over to Shopify, we were able to choose where our orders were being fulfilled from in different places, which meant shipping could be cheap for all of our fans everywhere around the globe. So if you were even thinking about opening a store, sign up now for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dumdums, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dumdums now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dumdums. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-S. If you open a store with Shopify, you're going to be hearing that sound a lot. Oh, friend, Misa Farthole here to tell you about exciting Patreon. You know, only for $25 a month, you can send your own friend into Dum Dum's land. That's right. I call from hell to tell you you can help your friend. Want butthole not die? Oh, praise bubble. You for $25. Pick NPC. Design. Send into Dum Dum's and Dragons. Save butthole life. He need it. Otherwise, he die. What about King Quimby? He need friend too. $25. Send friend to King Quimby. $25 a month and you get thank you from God. 
That's right, come down from Best God Ever. Say thank you at the end of every episode. You just have to go to patreon.com slash dice. That's right, D-U-M-B, funny word. D-U-M-B, funny word. D-I-C-E, useful thing. Send friends to save my friends, please. Also, you get ad-free feed or something. Okay, great. So sweet. You've got your potions. Um, fantastic. So um, beyond uh, jumping back into the past and equipping ourselves with gear that we should have thought of before we left, because uh, <laughs> your DM forgot to remind you that you have a, a magical potion lab. Um, is there anything that uh, you think you all would be discussing on the way other than, uh, again, Juniper, you're, you've got kind of first position on this because you've already flagged your chat, but um, any of the rest of you, is there anything you would want to be discussing with your your comrades? Yeah, I think Quinny would want to be talking to Reginald about, once again, what to expect. I know we've gotten kind of like the, the rundown here, but I think we just want more information or just to talk to him about it again, just in case anything was missed or, or anything like that. I think Butthole's kind of good. Like, this mission seems relatively clear to him, and Reginald is also focused on the mission, so Butthole's happy to talk to to Juniper slash Sheriff Moss, and Reginald's happy to talk to Quinny. Cool. Um, and, because it has been a hot second, uh, the details that Reginald gave were, I believe, more about a Ka than the mine. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. He had some, he, he knows of the mine, but not yep. tremendous specifics of the mine. He knows its history. Yeah. Great. Um, okay. So, and Quinny, uh, you're asking him about the mine or about a car? The mine. The mine? Okay. Um, so, uh, Ryan, can you roll me a, I think we're going to go with a history check. Well, I mean, Quinny, what do you want to know about the mine? That's the real question. I know a lot of things about a lot of things and a little bit about other things and nothing about <laughs> some things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's how... Yeah, yeah, that's how knowledge works, so I, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> really just, you know, even if it's not mission pertinent, like, just what do you know in terms of, like, rumors or what people talk, say about this mine and stuff like that? Like, from where and when you're from, this place had been just Well, we mined, mined it down to, to nothing, depletion. stripped it down, killed all the monsters, kept mining, monsters stripped it there, to yeah. zero, and then... Any, uh, any talk of, like, what kind of monsters or anything like that? Bad, scary, super murdery. I rolled a 12, Tom. 12? Yeah, so, Reginald, despite your best efforts, I think because all the monsters were killed and you come from kind of a, a more hellish dimension where the black spider, you know, kind of, like, reigns triumphant, um, if a monster is dead and hunted to extinction, you don't care about it because there are plenty of, like, active monsters running around. So all you know is that... Um, there was a monstrous presence in the mines. Uh, it was stamped out rather efficiently. Um, the mines were, fell completely under control of um, a car and then provided um, uh, adamantine ore to the Black Spider's Horde. Um, and ultimately, a lot of it went into like equipping uh, your troops. Um, so the the like the Aka troops who joined with uh, the Horde. Um, later, once the Black Spider rose to ascendance, um, a lot of it went to uh, the Wave Echo Cavern to be used in the uh, the Spellforge. 
um, to to forge better weapons. But by that point, there wasn't a whole hell of a lot left because already so much of it had been turned uh, to uh, to weapons. All right. So what I know about the monsters is they were very bad. There could have been one or several. They mobilized the army to stop them, either because there were a lot of them that needed to be killed or it was tricky to hunt them down. Not sure. And then they wiped them out and then it became very profitable for the murder army. So it, it took an army then, huh? Yes, but a lot of things take an army if you want them done fast. It could mean that it's an overpowering strength that will absolutely kill all of us, which I'm really hoping isn't true. Or... Uh, I don't know. It could have been like one little goblin who was just real stabby and they couldn't find him in the dark. I don't know. I wasn't alive. But it was apparently very dangerous or not that dangerous. People lie. Hmm. I see. And what was it they were mining for? Adamantine. Adamantine. Right. Yeah, the adamantine mine. Yep, yep. They have to turn that in to make armor and then to go to the the Wave Echo Cavern where they made super spelly stuff. And then we sort of ran out. And that's one of the reasons why we had to keep conquering everyone. And, uh, uh, Tom, I'm not familiar with the, like, the the mineral adamantine, mm-hmm. am I? Um, you would be, actually, I think, Quinny, because, okay. uh, or rather, I think Quinny would be, just because as a as a thief, um, rare minerals and, and rare metals you would you would be aware of um, in terms of, like, what, what to, to steal and not. Um, adamantine is a, a, a rare material in... Uh, D&D universe. Um, it's uh, an extremely hard black metal. Um, when it's been finished, it reflects a clear green sheen under candlelight and purple white under uh, magical light. Um, but it is uh, beloved of um, like uh, armorers and um, weapon makers. You can honestly, like the, the easiest sort of film example of this is it falls kind of in the adamantium or vibranium zone. Mm. Um, if we're talking like Marvel films of, um, once it has been forged and cooled, it is, it can't be deformed or bent by mundane means. So they don't dull weapons that are made with it. Don't dull or chip. They're just like really, really fucking hardy. Um, so it's not so rare that, you know, you've never heard of it, but it's definitely not, uh, in, in like Game of Thrones terms, it's probably a slightly more common dragon glass. So like it's around... But you don't see it all the time, uh, if that makes any sense. Um, beyond that, I don't know. There's obviously more details about it, but I don't know that you would know well, much more than that. Let me ask you this, and you can tell me whether I would know it or not. Am I aware of what the um, the general response or sort of counter to an army equipped with adamantine uh, weapons would be? Um, is there fight better fight better okay like they're they're just they're you know they make they make for damn good weapons that don't chip um and that can't be kind of bent or broken that said much like heavy plate mail like you still there's just by necessity of you can't build a solid chunk of armor there will always be joints and seams and other things and it's rare enough that like you might see a battlefield commander decked out in full adamantine armor but it would cost so much um okay that i'm thinking actually of local fauna that might be subsisting off of natural adamantine ore or anything like that um so i'm just trying to think does that mean that it would be 
like is it is it a heavy metal or is it like light and ultra durable and just super fucking badass and it it weighs the to... same uh it raise, uh it, it weighs the same as steel okay so it is not a not a lightweight material okay cool um which again i think you would know from from possibly even handling the stuff that had been made with adamantine but i don't think you would know much beyond that okay anything else i can tell you no, no, I, I guess not. One, not if you don't have any firsthand experience, you know, just makes sense. Yeah, the only other piece, of course, is that the, the mine was sealed off in Reginald's time. And I think it would be safe to say probably flooded or something. Like once it was done, it mm-hmm. was just like, fuck off out of here. We don't want a back door. Um, oh, yeah, we sealed it and collapsed it and shit. But that's not really going to affect this because... That shouldn't apply here, right? Yeah, because... these idiots didn't. And that's why they'd make a terrible horde and they're going to die. Well, cheers to that, I guess. All right. And uh, Juniper, as Reginald and Quinny are having their conversation, you see a perfect chance uh, to yes. kind of get, get Butthole alone to, to speak to him about uh, how how you want to try and solve for Aka. Um, so, Butthole, uh, I don't know if you've thought of what's going to happen, you know, once we achieve our goal of retaking a car mm-hmm. but uh I-, I had a chat with reginald it seems like um the population is really used to a horde-based mentality well uh, I-, I don't know if that's true i mean reginald lives in a world where everything is a horde all the time now these people aren't from horde world so reginald's opinion of what people are capable of is also shall we say nihilistic to bleak to torturous right but keep rolling i feel like you're building up to something i I, want to know what it is well i'm just i'm just a little bit concerned that you know once i mean what do you have in mind once we kind of dispose of those in charge and you know set up because I mean, I mean, I mean, these these people have been, you know, hor- horribly abused by their rulers for a long time, and mm-hmm. and uh, we want to make sure we have their support and don't just step in and get, you know, assassinated right away, as is a risk, I believe. Well, a lot of people talk about assassination, but look at how far I've got not getting assassinated. Like, here's the thing. you yeah, got to show th- up and I be think nice. And... a little bit of survivor bias, isn't it? What's that? Well, I mean, the only people around to say they've never been assassinated are the people who've never been assassinated. So it's like, of course, by definition, you're here because you haven't been assassinated. So, Yep, so I'm going to keep not getting assassinated because I'm pretty good at it so far. But everyone who's alive is pretty good at it so far until no, they're I don't, I don't until know. There's probably not. some people who are going to get assassinated like right now and don't see it coming. So they're going to have a I, rough time. I guess that's beyond the point. I, I just, I, let's say worst case scenario is that a Akaa is like it is from Reginald's world. Okay, so Akaa's a horde. Yes. Let's just, let's just, assume, because if it's not, then... We don't have to worry as much. 
All right. Well, we... but, but I think we do need to make sure we're rallying kind of support from the ground and make sure that, you know, the average person uh, is going to feel okay that, you know, we're coming in and taking over and and is is in support of this and know that we've got their back and we do want kind of the best for everyone yeah, see, I think we've got kind of different concerns here, because when I look at a car, uh, things are really shitty for the average person right now. In fact, yes. they're terrible. So I don't think we really have to worry about an uprising from the average people against leadership that's showing up, changing things over and trying to make it better, because when the leadership was fucking terrible, they didn't do an uprising. I'm far more concerned about, shall we say, upper level management. That's who's going to be a problem. Okay, the generals, the nobility, and that kind of thing. So what I'm thinking is, amongst my many cool new god powers, side note, you should pray to me, and we can sort this out later. You can find religion in an appropriate way. But uh, I can take a, a, a space that I'm in and know whether or not people in it are telling the truth. So I'm thinking what we do is we get the nobility in, I cast the spell, they come in, we ask him questions so they can tell us whether or not they're going to betray us, so we just know definitively, and we can find out whether or not they're assholes, and then we deal with the assholes and uh, people who are here to do the right thing or legitimately were being pressured into things and want to redeem themselves. We'll know that that's true, and then we can let them keep working with us. So, hmm. Okay. You still seem troubled. What, what's troubling? Well, I just, you know, when there's a, ch a change of power, that's kind of when... You know, I think we're probably most vulnerable to attack. Oh, see, because I think we're the most vulnerable when we're sneaking into a car and they're still in power. I think we're, well, we're most vulnerable from the so like now. current regime yes, right now. Yes, which I would argue we're in way more danger from the current regime than we ever will be trying to take charge. I hope so. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. See, it feels like you're being really negative right now. Where's this coming from? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who's I, this coming from? I, I just... I just want to be sure that... You know, we don't... We don't do all this the wrong way. Well, what do you think the wrong way is? Is to get in there and have people mistrust us and... And, you know, revolution starting take us out before we even get a chance to show what we're about. So your worst case scenario is we overthrow the regime and then we all get murdered by the people. Correct. See, because I see a lot of other worst case scenarios that I would argue are actually worse, which is like, we don't do this. We go home and all get eaten by zombies. We, we give up and die. We go forwards and we don't even successfully overthrow the regime and they just turn out to try to prove they're right and kill everyone. We betray our friends and join them. That, that's there are a lot of worse things, well, and maybe we don't just, do a great job. I, I agree. I just I, I just wanted us to be posed, you know, aligned for the best possible outcome. So, how do we align ourselves for the best possible outcome? I I don't. I mean, spread the word. Get. Well, see, this is a stealth assault, so we don't want to go telling the populace that we're coming because. We literally just uh, didn't tell the people we trust most in the world that we're coming. 
So this is just going to be messy no matter what. I mean, yeah. Like, okay, here, here. But butthole is a person. Yes, butthole is a king. Everything's messy. Everything is going to involve change. We've sent out word. We've been re- battling a cough for a while. People there are going to know me. There are things that we can move forward with. But I think the person you need to talk to is the butt hammer. Uh, and he just sits up a little straighter uh, and, and fixes his armor. And he just says, right now it sounds like you're looking for a guaranteed path where everything goes the way you want it to and everyone agrees. And if you're not sure that it's going to happen, then you're, you're kind of worried and pumping the brakes and not really ready to commit to, to causing change. Do you think that's a fair description? Honestly, Dr. Martha should talk to you and learn from you because, yes, that's exactly what I'm feeling. I feel like you've had a lot of bad things happen to you. And I've been nearby for a good chunk of them. And you lost a lot of people. And that sucks. I don't really have a fancier way to describe that. That just absolutely sucks. And you want to go find those people and you want to do the right thing. So I I would say fear of failure is probably a pretty logical concern for you. Does that feel accurate? Yeah, and that failure leading to people getting hurt. Yep, that makes sense. So, Good people, to be clear. Bad people, they can fuck right off. Ha, huh. yeah, that's true. Okay, so you, you've you got like a, a sword-fighting juniper in you, correct? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when you think of sword-fighting in, in a duel or a fight or anywhere else, when you hesitate, what happens? Oh, the hesitation is death. So right now, we're on a quest to try to defeat something evil and build something better for the world, and the odds are absolutely stacked against us. So if this was a duel, we're fighting, like, the Forsaken combined with the, the, the guy who's now being the Forsaken combined with, I guess, Bukarius combined with, like, Xanthus. We got, like, a master duelist that we're going up against here, and all the odds are stacked against us. We're fighting with, like, a spoon that we sharpened or something. We got a good plan, and they're not paying a whole hell of a lot of attention. But we got one shot. And right now, you're worried about what happens if we win this duel. Could other people in the room be mad? It's it's an interesting way to put it, I suppose. Because if we can't win this... And make the world, I, like, I would argue the world would be a better place just by killing this fucking Grace and Typhus asshole and saving my completely innocent, very kind mother who will help us. Juniper kind of winces at that, but doesn't say anything. So, we have to win this fight before we worry about the next one. Right. And the key to that, and I know it sounds like I'm kind of harping on a theme here, but hope, we have to believe that we can do it, and then faith. We have to believe that things can get better. Because if they can't get better, there's no point in fighting at all. And then there's determination. The reason that you're doing this. And what I can tell you, Sheriff Moss, is if we can turn this kingdom around and we can save the day here, 
we can use all of the, the wealth and the political power of a car and all of our other friends to start finding the people you lost. This right. isn't the end of a journey. This is a first step on the journey you really, really care about. But you have to have faith that you can get to those final steps. Hesitating is death, but striking can save a life. Are you no, ready right. I've been... to save a life? You're right. You're right. Of, of, of course you're right. And I'm sure you knew some, like, kind of criminal assholes in your days as a sheriff. But oh. Yes, see, perfect. But when you look at them, how many of them could have been a good person if you gave them the chance to make a change and the support to allow them to do so? Realistically, like 90% of them. Well, if we've got a country and we look at all the generals and nobility and there are, I don't know, a thousand of them and we say 10% are assholes, we've only got to kill like a hundred people after we take over. I don't want to sound like a psychopath, but I've killed way more than a hundred people. Plus there's Quinny. That guy can kill like anybody. He'll kill them while they're asleep or whatever. He's really good at that shit. Right. The question is, do you want this? I do. I do. Yes. No, you're right. I'm so caught up with doing it right. I haven't really been focusing on getting it done at all. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you're right. It's really just more concerns about what happens after, which we kind of can't control. So here's the crazy thing. You don't have to pray to me. You don't even really have to have faith in a God, but you do need to have faith that this will work. So... Maybe you want to just, like, pray to whoever or yourself or just sit there and kind of meditate while feeling hope for a bit every day. I feel like that might be good for you. Yeah, I guess it's just hard knowing what dying is like and having done it once. That it really makes it clear that it's possible that it'll happen again. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, everyone dies, but not everybody gets a second chance to come back. So right now, it's a weird thing to say, but like, you're already dead. That's done. That's free. You, you don't need to worry about that shit anymore. You, you're cheating. You, this is great. <laughs> you get to ride this train all the way to the end. Right. And then what happens after you die? Here's the exciting thing. I legitimately don't fucking know because we made all the gods and everyone in hell angry. So we don't get to go to either. <laughs> we broke the rules. Something else happens. Right. It's... Yes, that's kind of exciting, isn't it? Yeah. All right. All right. I think I need to spend less time with Reginald. Yeah, that's kind of a good thing for... If you're not sure of something, he is the wrong person to talk to. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Butthole. Thanks for helping me clear my mind about this. No problem. Now, go do whatever praying is for you for like 10 minutes. Okay. <laughs> what uh, what does Juniper do to? Because I mean, I feel like we know what pre-merge Juniper would do. Because she was big on like you know, 
connecting to nature and meditating and, and that sort of piece, but having combined with Sheriff Moss mm-hmm. and as a result of merging with Sheriff Moss, being constantly more attuned to your other... Is personas the right term? I always yep. forget. Yeah. Yep. Um, in a way that you weren't previously. I feel like, you know, OG Juniper was, had very clear delineations, whereas with Moss being a state of kind of perma transformation, there's a lot of that you can control more now, but you're just more yeah. aware of that. What is um, what is your version of, of what Butthole has suggested? Um, because Juniper needs to get into the mindset of... She needs to get just kind of... Get her confidence back a little bit. No one is more confident than Echo. Um, Based on our experience, yes, this is true. So uh, so to kind of get in that mindset, she will uh, transform into Echo, who's just going to go around being a little murdery kid. Maybe Ooh. she'll, like, check out some, like, weird deadly flowers and collect them or something like that. Uh, can you roll me a d6? Sure. One. Cool. Um, so when you say murdery flowers, do you mean that she is specifically looking for poisonous flowers? or Nightshade, that... shit like that. <laughs> okay, can you roll me a nature check? <laughs> <laughs> See how Tim Burtony these mountains are? Uh, 14. 14? Fucking, yeah, sure. Wouldn't you know it? <laughs> Just a patch of deadly nightshade, just like your your Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas. You just you know where it is. You find it. It's beautiful but deadly. Personas and girls of every age. <laughs> you like to see something? Strange? Yeah, that was the one other song that was in the karaoke rotation. <laughs> Come with her and you will see. There's nightshade right over here. <laughs> just like walk around okay. the corner. There's a whole nightshade field. <laughs> and she's just like very clear to Goblin Junior. Like. Don't eat this. And Goblin Jr. like looks at you, looks at the nightshade, looks back at you, and you're the scariest thing he's ever seen. So if you're saying not to do something, he's like, snarf, snarf. <laughs> and he like lifts Jesus. up a leg and pees on it. And then like not the ones you're picking, but like nearby <laughs> yeah, just to establish like, dominance. I mean, he could probably reach my hand. Yeah, <laughs> She's look, very he's no Mr. Mittens. He's not just peeing all over the place and expecting no one to notice. <laughs> Excellent. He knows um, urine is sterile. He's trying to save your hands. Yeah, yeah. Shit, so no. he, uh, oh, no, he, he pees not. in your body. <laughs> and then, uh, then, then he knows leads, it is. Um, uh, leaving you <laughs> Echo to, to yeah. pluck your, your nightshade. And then, yeah, is that just kind of it? You're just having a little little murder child? Just being a little, yeah. It's just, it's just spending time in Echo's skin. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and I, I will say, uh, Mo- Sheriff Moss, Juniper, uh, whoever you end up being when you put the helmet back on, uh, when you look inside it, you see Butthole has ordered a customization for you that you had not noticed before this. But the names of all of the missing members of your town have been chiseled into the inside of your helm. Ooh. <laughs> this is dark. But I like it. And she transforms that into Sheriff Juniper and puts it on. 
A little, little high, a little low. Uh, you know, that's kind of kind of how it runs for for the sheriff. Um, amazing. So, uh, with that, the, the days have kind of passed. Um, having had these conversations, and you arrive. Uh, sorry, I have to be clear. Juniper thinks that's really sweet. Only Echo <laughs> thought it was like morbid. <laughs> just, just to be clear. Sorry, Tom. Continue. It's all good. It's all good. Um, <laughs> I was really tempted to interrupt you again for comedy purposes, Tom. But please continue. <laughs> You realize by saying that you did, in fact, I know, I know, but I couldn't help it. But I wanted to let you get like three sentences into your description and then do it. So I did it in the not nice, but nicer way. I was going to give you a real nice one, but now you're just getting the stock standard. Like I just raided the Unity asset store. It was like fucking cliff. I don't know. Um, So you arrive at a fucking cliff. I don't know. Whatever. Don't worry about it. Shut up. Um, you uh, you arrive after uh, your three days of travel at um, a small kind of um, cleft in the uh, in the earth. Um, and uh, you can see that there's sort of like a um, a, a deep um, canyon, not tremendously wide, but wide enough um, that runs through uh, this area. You've come down out of the mountains um, as you you make your way uh, towards the the entrance to the mines. Um, but it's still kind of rocky terrain. Um, and so this is kind of like, you know, just a little kind of gorge is the right term, but you know, there's crack in the earth. Um, and you can see that there was a rope bridge, um, across, uh, this, this chasm, um, that said, uh, you can see the, um, the remnants of the bridge on the other side, um, are, are somewhat burnt. Um, and hanging, uh, hanging down on your side, uh, even the posts that it was attached to have been been hacked off and, and tossed over. Um, you can see some um, uh, on this side. There, there's some gear that's been discarded, uh, clearly as as people fled in a hurry. Um, and uh, Doc Huckleberry kind of um, you know eyes it from under his hat brim, and he says. Uh, yeah, this here looks like the spot they were telling me about. They uh, they beat a pretty hasty retreat out of here, but they want to make sure nothing followed them, so they, uh, you know, fucked the bridge, as it were. Um, beyond this, you can see um, sort of across the, uh, the chasm, um, on the other side, there is a uh, sort of a, 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 almost a mound, like the, the earth kind of um, rises up and over. Um, and you can see... Uh, carved into the side of it there is what has been um lightly excavated um a large kind of heavy stone arch um and uh there's uh, a variety of um you can see like uh there's tree branches so like fir tree branches and other things have been placed over the entrance to this a bunch of that's been knocked away um mm. clearly by the people fl- um, fleeing in haste um, but it very much looks like this. This was a a, a spot that was was um, meant to be uh, kind of buried and forgotten. That's been kind of cleared out and um, and reopened. Um, so beyond that, um, you can see this again. This sort of mound with that in it. Beyond that, um, there's sort of more trees, and in the distance, you can see the landscape is still hilly, but gradually kind of um, flattening out. And butthole, even at this distance, you know. Like you can't, you know, see a car on the horizon or anything. There's too much terrain in the way. But like, it's the familiar edge of territory you're starting to to recognize, very much on the limits of um, of what you would consider, not even necessarily a car territory, but just like 
adjacent territory, but definitely yeah, but the weight of it is looming. Yeah, even though I can't see it. Yeah, and also you know, a, a, not that there was really any any doubt, but um, enough that you can tell that Reginald is not wrong. This is something that would would connect to a, like it's close enough that it could reasonably connect to a car if still at, at distance. Which makes sense because you just didn't know that there was a mine attached anywhere, really, and that would have been an odd thing if it was like, oh, yeah. Well, what, what do you mean there's a quarry on the edge? Of, oh shit, there's a quarry on the edge of town. Like it's it's far <laughs> enough away, but, but yeah. also close enough. Yeah. Uh, so you're faced with um, this this chasm. Um, I do not have a solution to this puzzle. This puzzle is literally you're all big level characters. You have arrived at a chasm, and I'm just curious to see how the fuck you get over it. So. <laughs> Here we are. Um, looking down into the chasm, uh, you can see the remnants of, of the bridge and the posts. Um, it's a pretty steep drop um, down there. Uh, and you can see a, a couple of bodies um, that are just kind of uh, crawling slightly, but their bodies are clearly shattered. Um, and so they are zombies now, but they are zombies with no bones. Uh, it is a no bone day for the zombies. So they are they're just kind of awkwardly kind of like rolling back and forth and kind of clawing at things. Um, but, uh, how far is the chasm? How wide is it? Um, it is, uh, we'll say about 50 feet. <sighs> okay. All right. Well, I think I've got a way to get the cross, but does anybody else got any ideas? Uh, we could climb down, fight our way through a zombie horde as we walk across the bottom and then climb back up. I really hope that's not your idea. Cause I hated mine just now. Yeah, I don't think I could do that one. I I could try, but yes, that's not my idea. That idea is Perfect. terrible. Let's okay, hear it. so I have the ability to fly for up to an hour at a speed of one would assume about twenty feet per second. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny just... how all of our characters think in these really specific numbers. Yes, yes. Well, <laughs> listen, when you're with the horde, you need to be able to do the math to make sure you can get the fuck out of the castle you are in, and I have timed myself at every different speed. You want to know how fast I can crawl? Too fucking bad. That's a secret that'll save my life later. Uh, all right, so <laughs> I can fly you across basically one at a time. I don't want to try to do more than that. Uh, who's uh, Who wants to go first? Yeah, I'm feeling light. Yeah. Great, you're going to have to hang on because I'm not terribly strong when I do this. So we're all going to do this together, but uh, I don't know. Don't don't fuck this up is all I can say to you. <laughs> I'm going to tie myself to you. <laughs> oh, that that is a much better choice. That I, I won't fuck that up nearly as much. All righty, so let's, let's fucking do this. So he takes his... I got to check another fucking spell. <laughs> God damn it, I have too many of these goddamn things. Yeah, I, I think this is definitely for each flight. Butthole is going to cast guidance on Reginald to try to help this nice. uh, achieve its journey. So Reginald can fly twenty feet per second. So he would take Does twenty he have across to first. Crush and snort to do that, or is oh just, yeah, just yeah, yeah. He's he's crushed and snorted a gem out of his bag, uh, and then he's good for an hour. So awesome. All right. And does this, you, Ryan? You've previously described him snorting gems as like changing his physicality somewhat. Does does the flight? How's the flight this, change him? This one turns him into a full Doug Jones. Like, he just gets tall and very oh, thin nice. and almost vamp vampiric looking. Just gaunt and longer limbs. And then he just starts floating in a creepy, unholy combination of, like, ooh, spooky Dracula. And, like, because you know him and it's full daylight, 
ooh, what we do in the shadows character. Like, it's right. just in the middle of the two. Um, <laughs> yeah, you found a sweet spot in my heart there, buddy. Yeah. He's also just like, who wants to go first? Yeah, it's yeah, this creepy. reminds me. We of, already talked about this. Of hell. Yeah, we did. This it takes a lot out of me. <laughs> yeah, your your brain down. stretched too, you know. <laughs> it's the thoughts take longer to get to the You're mouth. You're so much shorter now. Uh, and, and you, you, you can tie yourself to him. Uh, yeah. And yeah, Tom, he flies 20 feet per second or sure. per round or whatever the fuck. Um, so, Quinny, I think we're just going to call this a, uh, a deck save. <laughs> which with you is relatively pointless, but we got to roll it anyway. Well, saves, not so much. All right. Would he have advantage for being tied to Reginald? <laughs> no, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Uh, it's a 28. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. I'm worried he really needed that uh, advantage. It is comparatively low. <laughs> oh, 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 buddy. It's only plus low. nine. Yeah, well, plus 10. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Double digis, my friend. That is, yeah. It's the um, dex modifier and the proficiency bonus. Nothing fancy there. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, yes, uh, Reginald, you are able to to successfully float uh, Quinny across, um, and then uh, then you return. Great. Then he will take Doc Huckleberry as the other person who's also like a scout, like just the two scout characters. Sure. So yeah. So you get uh, Huckleberry and I think Goblin Junior over just fine. Uh, you're left with uh, Butthole and uh, Juniper. Who wants to go first? Well, Juniper, do you want to go first? Or... Yeah, sure. I'll go. All right. So we'll strap Juniper in. Yep. Butthole cast guidance on her. And across they go. Okay. So um, I think, Reginald, that flying uh, both Juniper and the chair over is going to be a slightly harder... Um, just strength-wise, it's it's a bigger lift. Um, so let's go with He could a... do them separately if that's easier. Like, he could take the chair over okay. and then yeah, drop her in the that chair. That makes sense. Yeah, so we'll take yeah. two two trips. Um, in that case, uh, Juniper, I just need a strength save from you, please. Strength save? Yep. Plus 1d4 for nice. your guidance. Uh, uh, 20 total. Hell yeah. So goes just fine. And finally, uh, butthole. All righty. Let's see what boy does. Net 20. Nice. Yeah. You know, brothers, you got that connection for that thin man <laughs> flying connection. <laughs> like all <laughs> siblings, I'm told. The aerodynamics are so similar with their similar bodies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, so Reginald, you you managed to land um, butthole safely on, on the other side. And um, yeah, this is, you, you, you've you successfully beat my how will the dum-dums get across <laughs> a crack in the ground puzzle. Good <laughs> the work. The answer is one of them can fly. Yep. Um, good. So with that. Um, that's great because I had nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was curious. I was like, I don't know. They, they'll, they'll figure something out. Um, so having uh, made your way over, you, um, the four of you approach the the opening um, to, uh, to the mines. And um, up close, you can definitely tell like this is... This thing was sealed. It's not a doorway. It may have been a doorway at some point, mm. but it was it was sealed, and it is thick. Like the the stone that was used here is about a foot thick, um, and this this place was clearly meant not to be disturbed. 
which for Reginald particularly is always a bad fucking sign, but as is always the way in Faerun, dumb or otherwise, someone disturbed it, and whatever it is in there is awake and pretty fucking mad. Let's go meet it! This episode of Dum Dums and Dragons features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at El Hamstring on Twitter, and our DM Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and Dum Dums and Dragons' artwork is by Del Borovic, who can be found at delborovic.com. Our theme songs are And Now for That Massive Coronary and Skipping Through the Orchestra Pit Part 1 by Peter Gresser, and our ad music is No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R, all available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. But most importantly, we've got merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice or you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. And tune in next week for more Dum Dums and Dragons. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. The Half-Blind Prophet, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, Richard Cranium, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Stabby Stranger, Glitch Trick, Roman Brown, Spot Alan, Flynn 1138, Alorain Okapi, OMG, it's Big Nick. D&D and Things, Norma Byers. Schrodinger's Pepper. Guy Edwards, Flea Unit. Madre de Gatos. Lady Maiden, Melissa Rain. And Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Welcome to the Strata. There's two of them following me. I know that for sure. Hand over the package and we'll let you go. You'll let me go? Oh, that's cute. The first bullet hits me in the chest, sends me staggering back a step. All right, you assholes. Let's go! Move it! Yeah, run! That's it! And spread the word! Don't mess with rust! Ever! Anyone who tries is gonna... Oh, forget it. The Strata. In a dystopian city, an aging courier is forced to go into business with an underworld ganglord in order to pay for the treatment that keeps him alive. Check out The Strata anywhere you listen to podcasts.